Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Do you love the Word of God? Let's hold them to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for the word that Jesus said will abide how long? Forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will abide forever. Matthew 16, 18 will be our text. We're talking about the church that Christ built. This is lesson five. Last week we had water baptism, so we didn't talk about it last week, but we're continuing this study. And this is lesson five. Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee, this is Jesus speaking, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We talked about the church that Christ built is one where he has preeminence. It is one that is word-based. And when you hear these statements, remember this. It's the church as a whole, but also as an individual, because you are a part of the body of Christ. You are the church. So we should be word-based. Spirit-filled. We invite the Holy Spirit to take us over. It's one thing to have him. It's another thing for him to have us. We want him to have us. It's a holy church. A pure church. And then we talked about it being a praying church. My house is a house of prayer, Jesus said. Then he talked about it being a worshiping church. Like we did this morning, we worship God from the heart. It's not about singing a song or two. It's worshiping from the heart, our living God. It's a soul winning church. We're more concerned about the eternal destination of people than anything else. That's the top of the priority list. Amen? About anything else. Nothing is more important than their salvation, our salvation. And then we talked about it being a church of unity. Knowing that when people come together in unity, nothing is impossible. We can achieve our goals. We can experience God's perfect will and plan for our lives if we all come together in unity. And that's true whether it's in a marriage, a family, an enterprise, a corporation, even a nation. One nation under God, indivisible. And when you're in unity, you get people coming together and joining forces together, you've got synergy, you've got great power, and you can accomplish the purposes of God. Okay, and then now we're going to continue our study, and this one is, it's a triumphant church. It's a triumphant church. The church that Christ built is a triumphant church. And in that text, what did it say? Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it right now when you read that if you don't have the background knowledge and don't understand certain things from a Jewish perspective then you kind of miss out on something 
you read that the gates of hell, why is he saying this? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Remember who he's talking to. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to Jews that understood certain things about Jewish beliefs. They had the belief that hell had three gates. One in the wilderness, one in the sea, and one in Jerusalem. And that there was an angel that had three keys. And those three keys would open up those three doors. And then Duma was set in charge, appointed in charge over hell. And he had a bunch of destroying angels with him. Now, if anyone did not keep the holy covenant, they would be ushered in. But if you kept the holy covenant, then guess what? You wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to get you to go in. So this is the background setting. And so when Jesus said this, he's speaking to people that have this kind of mentality. So look at it from that perspective. And when you see it from that perspective, then you realize what Jesus was saying to them. All the combined efforts and powers of all the kingdom of darkness with all the uh, powers and forces of evil combined in their efforts could never destroy the church that he is about to build. All those combined efforts fall short when it comes to the power of Almighty God. There isn't a power on earth or under the earth that can possibly stop the effectiveness of the church, the body of Christ, carrying out the purposes of God, even to the extent that in an individual's life, even death and the grave have no power over the believer. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here in this chapter, Paul is talking about the resurrection from the dead. Now remember this, the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. So you got the two different views and perspectives. Well, Jesus taught Paul, Paul's teaching these individuals the truth about the resurrection. He's talking about the glorified body, etc. But notice what he says here about death and the grave. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because we have the victory, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in, is not in vain in the Lord. So everything that we are doing in the Lord is not in vain. Because we know there's a whole lot more than this life. We know there's more on the other side. And we also know that when we go to the grave, should Jesus tarry his coming, the grave is not going to hold the body down. Death does not have the final say. Death will not have the victory. The grave does not have the victory. The church of the living Christ, the living God, is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Praise God. And we can live like that on this side, knowing that when we leave, praise God, we're just going to join them on the other side. Amen. So it's a triumphant church, a victorious church, a church that just can't be defeated by all the combined efforts of the kingdom of darkness. Isn't that good to know? Okay. Now what's the key to our success in being triumphant and victorious? Well, he said in that same text, upon this what? Rock? Well, what rock was he talking about? Not Peter. He's talking about the rock of revelation. Because right before that, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. To whom shall we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. He's talking about that rock, the solid foundation of the word of God, the revelation that came to us by him. And if we build our life upon that foundation, that's the key, then we will not be overcome. Now, 
and forever. So go with me to the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, chapter 7. I'm going to read these verses here, verses 24 through 27. And of course, this is Jesus teaching. Now, would you agree with me he was the greatest teacher who ever lived? Would you agree with me he knew more than any man? Mm-hmm. Okay. And he taught in these chapters, 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew, he taught what is termed the Sermon on the Mount, correct? Okay, and at the end of the message that he delivered, this is what he says. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. A rock. A rock. He said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. Notice, there would be challenges along the way, but it won't fall if it's founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. How many of you know that Jesus is not talking about houses here? He's talking about lives. He's talking about what we build our life on, our existence, what we stand for, what we believe in, how we conduct ourselves as we live our lives upon the earth. And so he says, basically, it's up to us to make a decision as to how we'll lay our foundation. So in these passages of scriptures, what we discover is, number one, that Jesus contrasts between two individuals, two people. Okay, number one. These two people, one is wise and one is what? Foolish. The wise one has good judgment. The wise man has good sense. See, the wise man says, there's someone smarter than I am. There's someone wiser than I am. Someone knows more than what I do. Now you have to picture this. They're sitting there. They're listening to him teach. He's a rabbi. He's teaching. He's teaching like they've never heard before. He spoke words like they never heard before. And they're gleaning this light, this revelation they're receiving from him in these, this sermon, 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Among the people listening, they'll be the wise that have good sense and make good decisions and understand. But then there's going to be the foolish that lack good sense that lack knowledge and as far as you know judgment is concerned they lack that the one who's wise says I'm going to live God's way the one who is foolish says I'm going to live my way in other words I'm good with myself it's my life it's my destiny I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to enjoy life the way I want to enjoy life. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if I believe that there's life after death. I don't even know if there's a place called heaven or hell. There are people like that throughout all the world today. We know that, right? Well, you could say it this way. The wise man said, I did it God's way. And the other one can join the choir of, of the round called Hades and say, I did it God's way with Frank Sinatra and all the others, the top charts, you know. That's the number one song down there, you know. I did it my way. Now think about it. Think it through. I did it my way. Why, why do we need this Jesus, his teachings, his doctrine? I'll just do it my way. 
So he talks about two individuals. He contrasts two individuals. One, a wise man, one a foolish man. Then secondly, he contrasts two responses. Two responses. And what are they? Well, there's the one he said that does the word. He hears it and he does it. He hears something that maybe doesn't set right with him or maybe seems a little bit far-fetched or far out there or something illogical but he listens to it and he kind of thinks it through and then he responds to it. He acts on it. Look, look Luke's gospel chapter 5 and beginning at verse 1. This is the classic case. I believe this is so powerful these verses of scripture to help us better understand our need to act upon the word of God even though it may seem illogical. It may seem far-fetched, but whatever. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, notice they came to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's or Peter's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and cast down your, everybody say nets. Is nets singular or plural? Plural. Cast down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said, Master, I want you to kind of get a little bit of a tone in his voice. We've toiled all night. We've taken nothing. Let me add a little bit to that. I'm the professional fisherman here. You are a rabbi. You stick to preaching, I'll stick to fishing. Okay. We've worked all night. My team's been working all night. We've been up all night, have no sleep, no rest. We're thirsty. We're hungry. And all we want to do is get these nets finished up and go to bed or go back with our family. Hmm. We told all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, notice these next words. At thy word I will let down the the what? no no it doesn't say nets it says the net did you get that? Jesus said let down the nets he said alright you know at your word I'll do it I'll let down the net let's not get all of them dirty we just clean that one over there. Let's leave that over there. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net. When it says break, it's the, the, the Greek, it means was beginning to break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Now notice, man in his own efforts could do nothing, even in their professional state that they so bragged about. But when Jesus makes one statement, let down your nets, and it's obeyed, God in his great power can provide a draft, a catch of fish, in my opinion, that provided for Peter, and some of the others for three and a half years so that they could be in public ministry with him. It funded the ministry. It funded them and their lives. Because that's how good God is. But notice how he just let down the one net. 
catch a little bit of doubt and unbelief in that? But still he did what Jesus had to do. So even though it seemed illogical to him, he still did it. Right? And how many times do we read the word of God and say, that sounds just absolutely illogical. But you know what? Just obey. Just do what he said to do. But then the second one is the one that doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 6 and verse 46. He doesn't do it. And notice what Jesus says about that. This is Luke's version of that same Matthew scripture. That's that text there. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why are you calling me Lord, but you're not doing what I said to do? Now, once again, if you don't have any background knowledge, then it's just a simple question that Jesus asked that we could just politely look at and just say, oh, well, yeah, I guess they just weren't doing what he said. Mm -mm, it's not that simple. You know, back then, Caesar demanded you call him Lord, God. And if you didn't call him Lord God, you died. And trust me, if he said for you to do something and you didn't do it, it meant death. No questions asked. There was no value for human life back then. They couldn't, they couldn't care less about you. And Jesus is expressing that to them. If he was the kind of Lord like Caesar was, and he told you to do something and you didn't do it. But you see, he's not that way. He's loving, kind, gentle, merciful, meek, right? He gives you the option to do what you want to do, but he shows you the outcome. So he is saying, why are you calling me Lord? But you're not doing what I've asked you to do. If you're calling me Lord, there should be such a deep respect and reverence that you have for me that my word becomes law to you. And it's something more that you say you educate your mind with. It is something that you say you will live your life by. Do you see that? So why call ye me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Then he went on to say, there's two men. One's wise, one's foolish. One does what I say, one doesn't do what I say. And there's going to be a, res that's the response. So Jesus is saying to us, take heed what you hear and how you hear, because that's what's going to dominate your life. Then the third thing that ha we see here revealed in this text is, he contrasts two foundations. Two foundations he reveals to us. And what are they? One is built on what? A rock. A solid, firm foundation. This rock that Jesus talked about in Matthew 16, he'll build his church upon a rock. And the rock is the revelation of his word. It's an understanding of everything that he's taught us. As a matter of fact, we're going to see it's threefold. Go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. This is the solid foundation. Now therefore, Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, he's explaining some things about their being raised up together with Christ and that before they came to Christ, they were what? Without faith, without hope, without God in the world, without a covenant. So they were out there on their own, so to speak. But then now the Gentiles have come into the body of Christ and now they're entering into the family of God. And now therefore you're no more strangers or foreigners on the outside looking in, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And now notice this. And you're built upon the what? The foundation of the apostles. Look at the threefold foundation. The apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The apostles, the prophets, 
Do you see that? And Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, in whom are the, all the building fitly framed together, grows up to a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. So here's the foundation that stands sure and true. Built upon the apostles, the prophets, and, and Jesus Christ, and being the cornerstone. So in other words, God spoke to us by the prophets. He spoke to man by the apostles. And now he spoke to us in these last days by his son. And you take the combined efforts by the Spirit of God through the lives or the mouths of the prophets of old and then the apostles and now Jesus Christ himself and you put all those teachings together and what you discover is you've got yourself a solid foundation upon which to build your life. Can you see that? Now there are those today that we, we just live by the Pauline revelation. Well that's one third of it. You're not going to get it all in that. You have a revelation of what Jesus has done, and that's it's for the church, it's primarily for us. But you'll notice that Paul in his Pauline revelation also quoted the prophets of old and also quoted what other apostles said. It's the combined efforts of the three that create this strong foundation for us so we can live our lives in victory and triumph, in triumph over all the works of darkness and all the storms of life that try to come against us. But then he said, secondly, there's another form uh, or a foundation. And what is that? The second one built his house on what? Sand. A sandy foundation. And you know as well as I do, if your house is built on sand, then it's probably a good chance that that house is going to fall when the storms of life come. Now I want you to see something Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about this. It's so important that we have a good foundation and we build with the right building material so that we have the kind of lifestyle that God wants us to have so we can be wise people providing for ourselves now and also throughout eternity. Notice this, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, gold, silver, precious stones, notice those first three, and then the last three, wood, hay, and stumble. In other words, on this foundation, you can build with gold, silver, and precious stones, or you can build with wood, hay, and stumble. Now, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall uh, be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. So, the solid foundation that we build on, we have to build with the right kind of material so that we don't get our works burned up and don't receive the rewards. But the person who builds his life upon the foundation, let's just say, and he builds with wood, hay, and stubble, what's going to happen to his house? It's going to burn. His works will be burned up. His motives are wrong. His attitude is wrong. Now, when we live our lives on this side of heaven, we don't want to experience destruction. We don't want to be overcome by all the, let's say, all the things that are in the world, whether it's the power of sin, temptation, and everything else that's out there that the enemy brings our way. Heart, you know, hearts being broken, relationships being broken, etc., etc. I mean, we've got a list of, of things we can encounter in this life. But he's saying, look, if your life, if your life is built on a sandy foundation, because when those storms come, and they're going to come to all of us, What's going to happen? You're going to be devastated by the storm. So he says, build your house upon the rock, the solid foundation, so that you're not devastated when the enemy comes and tempts you. And then the next, 
it contrasts two results. What are the results that take place? Well, the one that built his house upon solid ground is the one, praise God, who rises up and is victorious over whatever the enemy brings his way. His house is not devastated. He's not damaged by it. He's not overcome by it. As a matter of fact, notice he said the winds, the waves, and, and everything else that the enemy's bringing, the storm brings, you stand there. As a matter of fact, you've heard this said before. When all that you've done, you, all that you know to do, you do. Stand there for. Stand there for. Stand there for. Stand on the solid rock of the word of God in the face of opposition and just say, I'm not moving. I'm not budging. I believe the hand of God is upon me. Or I believe I receive my miracle. And the storm winds are blowing. The waves are beating against my house. Let the hail come. Let the winds blow. Let the hurricane force powers come against me. I'm standing upon the word of God. I'm not budging. I'm not moving. I am not going to the left nor to the right. As far as I am concerned, praise God, the word of God cannot fail me. And so therefore, I'm this, on this good solid foundation and I refuse to give up, faint, lose heart. I'm not going to give in. I'm standing on the word of God. People will look at you and think you're foolish. They'll look at you and think that you're mad. They'll look at you and think that you're wrong. But you know what? It's your life. It's not someone else's. You take a hold of truth from the word of God and you can take it to the bank. You can take it all the way to glory with you. You can stand before the throne of God and just say, Father, this is what you said. And you're not a man to lie, nor the son of man to repent. If you said it, you do it. If you spoke it, you do make it good. I believe in your integrity. I believe that not one word from your mouth will ever fail. And I refuse to be damaged by the storms of life because I'm building my house on sand. Absolutely not. I am standing firm. You will get God's attention like Peter even though he may have thought it was illogical, at your word, I'm letting down the net. I'm setting aside my professionalism. I'm setting aside my knowledge, my wisdom, my understanding. I wouldn't do it that way. I would do it this way. We'll come back tomorrow night and see if we can catch some more fish because that's when you're supposed to fish, not in the morning hours, not now. You're not supposed to do it right now. I'm sure he could have taught Jesus a lesson, a lesson on fishing. But did you know what Jesus did after he got finally, Peter got a hold of Peter, grabbed him by the ear, shook it a little bit and said, look, I'm, you follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Jesus taught him something about fishing. And of course, he became a fisher of men. So, we can either respond the way God says we should respond, or we can do it the way the foolish man did. But there's two responses, and, but there's two results. What's the second result? Oh, the storm winds blew, beat upon the same house of the other individual, and that house fell. And great was the fall of it. In other words, he suffered great loss as a result of not acting on the word of God. Now, if you think this through, what you discover is that they both, they both answered to the same God. They both heard the same word. They both heard those sayings of Jesus as he taught them on that Sermon on the Mount. Did they not? Right. And they both had a response. And it's up to the individual to respond either the right way or the wrong way and they both had a foundation 
One was built on solid ground, one was built on sand. And the one that won the victory, the one that was triumphant, was the one who built his life on the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my word will never pass away. I watch over my word to perform it and to make it good. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish that when I please and it will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So what? So let the righteous man, the one who knows God, believes God, exchange his thoughts and his ways for God's ways and thoughts and act on his word, his ways, do it God's way and you're guaranteed. You're guaranteed. You know what? We're close right now to the next feast. The next feast is the feast of trumpets. And that's in October. That's the timing of it. Beloved, could it be that Jesus comes in the clouds of glory and sounds the trumpet? He blows the shofar. (laughs) Could it be? Could it be this year that it happens? Many believe that it could be. Many believe that it might be. You know what that means? Every single one of us should check our foundation. You see, you could take a sandy foundation and a house would just fall under the pressure. There was a fellow, I remember him talking about this, saying this, and he said that um, he had someone come over to the house because he had a crack. And that crack in the wall needed repaired. And so he had someone come over and repair it. He repaired it. Short time later, it was open again. Another guy come back and, and repair it. He repaired it. The third time it happened, he got this. Is, he said, this is puzzling to me. Extremely puzzling to me. He said, well, let me check it out. Got another guy to come in. The guy comes in. He checks it out. And he goes, yeah, you got that crack there. He says, but you know what? That crack there is not just a simple crack. I've checked your foundation. And your foundation has shifted. And because your foundation has shifted, that crack will always be there. You can try to fix it all you want. The problem is the foundation, not with the crack. What does that say to us? We need to have a strong foundation in this day in which we live. Because are you ready for it? The storm winds are blowing like never before. The darkness is getting darker. The light is getting lighter. And those that stand for Christ are going to have to stand. In this country, you realize this is true. We don't even have to even think about years ago about any kind of persecution for righteousness sake. We had a government that allowed God in it. We had a government that allowed prayer in school, Bible reading in school. There was no objection to manger scenes being on the a government property or anything like that. The Ten Commandments were plastered on the wall whenever they met. They had prayer by believers. There was worship at the White House and the list goes on and on. And it was even the band, the government band played for the worship service during those times. Can you imagine that? There was a time when in the early stages of our nation the constitution said you had to be a born again believer in in other words for you to take a public office you had to be a believer and so therefore our laws our government everything was all based on biblical truths and now look how far we have come from our original position that we held 
You can't even pray in school. You can't use anything like the name of Jesus. You can't talk about the things of God. You cannot read a scripture. You cannot say a prayer. You can't pray before a, a football game, a basketball game, or any kind of a game. They don't want prayer even being said even in, in, in public offices or, I'm sorry, government offices. And the list goes on and on. And now we're disregarding God's laws and commandments on marriage and what it stands for, etc., etc., etc. And you know what? Go back and look. You can see in 2012, you can see that even in the, in the, the Democratic, for example, uh, when they had their, their meetings, they didn't even want God mentioned. They didn't want God mentioned. You don't believe me? Go back to 2012. And when they had their national convention... You can look it up for yourself. You can see it for yourself. God will not be mentioned. Think about it. And that's why I'm saying we all need to ha- do our part. And what's happening is things are crumbling. And why? We've left the solid foundation and we're now building on the sand and things are cracking. I used to laugh when people says, you've got to get concerned because you never, you know, we're not going to be able to say Merry Christmas anymore. I said, come on. You notice how the, the, the tr- for Christmas trees it started to change at some point. It was Xmas taking the Christ out of Christmas. Well, it's not funny anymore, is it? Even in public stores, the, 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 the clerks, the employees are told, don't say Christmas. Happy holidays. Boy, just some, uh, am I meddling a little bit too much here? Oh, sometimes I would just love to have a microphone and be there in the mall, the public part of the mall where everybody can hear. And when someone says happy holidays, and I just like to get on the loudspeaker and just say, yes, and the holiday is Christmas. And what we're doing is celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world, the one that came and redeemed us by his blood. And that's why you don't go to work this week because Christmas is the day we celebrate that God became a man and walked on the earth, himself in flesh humbled himself and God highly exalted him wouldn't you just love to take off and just start I mean it wouldn't you amen well you know what we can get back to that if we do our part it's up to us to do it okay what I want us to do look at the second Timothy 2 second Timothy 2 it's the foundation that we build our life on that determines the results that we get so look at this in chapter 2 study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth but shun profane and vain babblings for they will increase into more ungodliness and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus who concerning the truth have erred saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some notice overthrow the faith of some nevertheless the foundation of God stands sure having this seal what's the seal the Lord knows that those that are his didn't Jesus say why call you me Lord Lord and don't do the things that I say he knows the ones that are his and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity notice the first thing he says about a good solid foundation is you have a decision to make and you're not going to engage yourself in iniquity but in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor 
If a man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also useful lust, and follow righteousness, faith, peace, charity, and peace, etc. And with them that call upon the name out of a pure heart. And so what Paul is saying, there is a foundation for our faith. And that foundation is built upon the solid teachings of God's word. And if we're going to be governed by anything as we live our life upon this earth, it should be the word of the living God. In other words, if God said that's wrong, then that's wrong. If God said that's right, then that's right. If God says to do this, then then do it. If God said don't do that, then guess what? I should not do that and engage myself in that. In other words, let God be Lord of all and Lord of my life. Not just to intellectually learn the principles of God's word, but to apply them to my life. There are four commandments that God said these are reserved for me. Number one, put God, for, put God first. Two, no strange gods. Nothing else, no images. Number three, take my name and don't use it in vain. And number four, keep the Sabbath day holy. Four things, only four things he says, I command you. And when people say, I don't go to church anymore, and they got a thousand reasons why they don't go to church anymore, well, guess what? God wants you to obey him. You're not here to look at what other people are doing. You're here to serve the living God, right? And the last six, honor your mother and your father. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't bear false witness. And don't covet. Simple commandments that he gives us to follow. And he says, if you follow those, you'll be in a good, solid foundation. Right? Okay. Now, in closing, you didn't think you were coming for a examination did you but you step right into it we're going to have an evaluation and I'm going to ask all of us myself included to evaluate ourselves don't go looking at your neighbor and just saying yeah you should do that (laughs) don't do that Mm -mm. this is about me okay here's our evaluation Let's check the quality of our foundation personally, okay? Because if Jesus said, these sayings of mine, what sayings was he talking about? The Sermon on the Mount. The best message you ever heard. He that hears these sayings of mine and does them is a wise man who builds his house upon the foundation of my instructional teachings as to how he or she should live his or her life. That's what Jesus is saying. So let's take some of what the apostles, the prophets, but now Jesus said. And let's evaluate. Anybody willing to participate? It's for yourself. And we'll close with this. All right. First of all, as he ends the Sermon on the Mount, he names what is called the Beatitudes, but then also other things that are there. He starts with this, humility. Ask yourself the question, if you're going to be on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being the best, how are you at humility? God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So construct your life and live your life a certain way that you're humble. Anything and everything that you've done in life and that includes all of us, is because of him. It's because of him we are who we are. We have what we have. We can do what we do, and we know what we know. It's all because of him. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. In a flash, you can be like Nebuchadnezzar was, out in the wilderness living like an animal. Just like that. Because he thought he was, he was so caught up in pride. Okay, so number one, how am I at being humble? Are you so humble that you're proud of it? (laughs) 
Just a thought. <laughs> I can see all the men out there. I just love this. This is, is this, you know, myself included. I include myself in this. We men, we make the bed twice out of the year. We can't wait to hear. You did a nice job on making the bed, honey. She makes it 363 times. You never said a word. You make it twice. And you're walking around the house. And finally she sees you moping. And she says, is there something wrong? Hmm, well, no, you're him hawing around. I know you. I know. I've been living with you for 20 some years. I know you. There's something wrong with you. Well, did you notice how I made the bed? I'll stop right there. You get the point. Number two. Are we remorseful for personal sin? Remorseful. Truly remorseful. From the heart. And look, what he's talking about even then. We, we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. But how many of you know that if you miss the mark now, shouldn't there be remorse? Shouldn't we have an attitude that says, I don't want to sin against my God? Because he knows that we're imperfect and we're going to make mistakes along the way. But we should have remorse. How am I when it comes to that? Number three, meekness is your thoughts and attitudes towards other people. Remember the scripture says in the book of Galatians chapter 6 that if you see a brother in a fault, you go to him in the spirit of, not pride and arrogance, but in what? Meekness, considering yourself, lest you also fall. Because we have the same frame, don't we all? We're all living in these flesh bodies and we can easily fall victim to the same thing that they fell victim to. Don't walk around with the attitude like, well, I'd never do that. I'd never do that. Mm-mm. Someone not pulled out in front of me and, and you know, maybe you as a Christian made a gesture you shouldn't make or said a thing you shouldn't say. And I, that person says, I never do that until someone pulled out in front of them. And they found themselves doing the same thing that you did. Go in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself because you can fall as well. So go there with love in your heart and be meek. Hunger and thirst. Oh, you're ready for this one. Are you hungry for God this morning? Are you thirsty for God this morning? I can really tell. <laughs> Man, it just, just flowed right out of you. I can really tell. David said, I long hunger and thirst for God like in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water whatsoever. I long for God. I want to know God. I want to know him more. I want to know him better. I want to understand him more. In other words, I got a fire burning with my bones. I've got a thirst that cannot be quenched. I want to seek to know the living God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those are the ones that will be filled. Those that really long for God. Are you merciful? To the merciful, he'll show himself merciful. To the upright, he'll show himself upright. But to the forward, he'll show himself forward. In other words, how am I as far as giving mercy to other people? I know we all have shortcomings, faults, and failures. And so if I miss the mark, what do I want? Mercy. Guess what? If you're merciful, I'll tell you what, you're going to have to look this one up. He will show himself merciful. So that means if you show mercy to others, he will show mercy to you. And with what level of mercy you show others is the level of mercy he will show you. Anybody here want mercy? Be merciful. And what is mercy? Not get, giving me what I deserve. Mercy is not giving me what I deserve. And so I, I'll be merciful to you because I know that God will be merciful to me. Okay, next. Pure in heart. Are you pure in heart? This is talking about our personal motives. You know yourself better than anybody else. Where are you on that scale of 1 to 10? Are you pure in heart? Your motives are pure and right. You want for the right reasons the thing that God wants you to have. 
You do things for the right reasons. You are pursuing things for the right reasons. Your motives are, are, let's say, in line with God's. Next, are you a peacemaker? How do you evaluate yourself at that? Are you a peacemaker? Are you a pot stirrer? Anybody know what a pot stirrer is? Hmm? You like to stir the pot. You just like to get things. You, you call this one to get them against that one. You call that one to get them against this one. And before you know it, everybody's all upset with each other and no one knows why. And the pot stirrer is sitting back. <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. I did it again. <laughs> oh, help me, Lord. What about uh, evaluate yourself on being salt and light? You say, well, what's that? Well, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Two things. It preserves and it makes thirsty. Right? You ever eat something salty? It makes you thirsty. Well, are, are we making people thirsty by our lifestyle? Are we preserving things by our lifestyle? Evaluate yourself on that. Be a peacemaker. Be someone who's light. They can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The next one, how are we at keeping the love commandment? Jesus said, no longer do you love as you love yourself, but now you love as I have loved you. He raised love's bar and he said, love as I have loved people. Pour yourself out for other people. But you don't understand they've got false failures and shortcomings. I understand that. I know that. No one knows that better than the person that you're living with. We all have them, right? But walk in love. What about dealing with anger? Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath and give place to the devil. Jesus said don't even speak like hatred towards somebody because in so doing, you're endangering your well-being. So in dealing with anger, be angry but sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. That means don't go to bed at night without making it right with your partner or whoever it is that you've got something against. Don't be angry with somebody and let your head hit the pillow. Make sure within that 24-hour period that you get it right with that person. We're talking about a good foundation. We're fixing the cracks right now. Are we not fixing the cracks right now? People want to know why they're not getting anywhere in God. There's a weak foundation. If you're going to be angry with people and just hatred towards people and, and spread all these things and so on and so forth, something's wrong with the foundation. Let's get it repaired. Let's move on to the next one. Controlling the thought life. Controlling the thought life. He's talking about what you see, your eyes, the thoughts that come against our minds. Every single day, it's plastered all over everywhere. When it comes to advertisements and that sort of thing, it's all, what's it doing? It's, it's, it's like luring you in to lust and all that. You know, you can see it, it's, it's everywhere. But control the thought life. How are we controlling our thought life? Are we getting our minds renewed to the word of God? And are we acting upon the word of God so that we can make it part of our lifestyle? The next one, honoring my marriage vows and my word, a person of integrity. I vowed my life. And when you vow your life to someone, you don't have a right to say, I don't love you anymore. No matter who you are, if you're married, you don't have a right to say you don't love your partner anymore. Why? Because you committed your life to him or to her. And it is in God's will that you honor your marriage vows unto death. Can you say amen? That is the way of God. That is the will of God. And, 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 and but what about uh, the bill of divorcement? I know about the bill of divorcement. But you know what? It wasn't always so, Jesus said. That's not how it was from the beginning. No way. He said, but because of what? The hardness of your heart. Moses came up with the bill of divorcement. God gave Moses the bill of divorcement because of the hard, hardness of a man's heart. What are you talking about? You go back then and do a study, you'll find out this to be true. What they, what, only a man could divorce his wife. No, a, a woman couldn't divorce her husband, but a man could divorce his wife. 
And what they did was back then, they would just take their sandal off their foot and they'd march her to the edge of the property. She lived with him and they had their own property, but it was his property. And then she only had her dress or whatever she wore. Got to the edge of the city, took off the sandal. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And off she went without anything. Not 50%, not 60%. No bargaining here. She's divorced. Okay, now she's on her own. So she goes into the city. She's, she's at the local cafe. I think it was a Starbucks. And she's having a cup of coffee. And this good looking guy comes over. Sits down and says, uh, my name is so-and-so. Can I buy you another cup of coffee? Well, yeah, sure, why not? Her husband who just divorced her, he's back over here, just happens to stroll through town and sees her there. Gets a couple of his buddies and says, see her? She's having an affair with that guy. And they take her out of the city and stone her to death. Hardness of your heart. So God says to Moses, make sure they give her a bill of divorcement in her hand so that when she goes to Starbucks next time and they come to arrest her and take her out and stone her, she shows to them, I have been divorced by my husband. You cannot kill me for adultery. Because that, that was the offense and that was the punishment. Can you see that? The hardness of your heart. Next, giving, praying, fasting, he talked about without fanfare. When you give, don't give to be seen of men. When you pray, don't pray to be seen of men. And when you fast, don't see to before men that you're fasting. Don't show them that you're fasting. Those are the three disciplines of the Christian life. And he talks about them and he says, don't do it with fanfare. Don't draw attention to yourself. Next, storing up heavenly treasures. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven not on earth. Next, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on, etc., etc. Then he says, oh, you have little faith. God knows that you have all those needs. So are we worry warts? Are you a champion warrior today? Think about that. Okay, answer that. Put yourself on that scale. Next, here it is. Judge, uh, judging myself and not others. How am I judging myself and others? And Jesus went on to say, how can you work so hard to get the splinter out of your brother's eye when you've got a telephone pole in yours? Isn't that human nature? How can you do that? So don't judge and you won't be judged. He says about asking, seeking, and knocking. Are you looking for God, searching for God? You know, Jesus is coming soon. We should be so on fire. We should be so filled with this desire, this hunger, this thirst to know God better. To see to it that we evaluate ourselves and find out where we're at. Locate yourself and see where you're at. What about guarding against false prophets? There are many out there in the world today. What about doing the will of God? What did Jesus say? It's not those that say, Lord, Lord, that's going to enter my kingdom. Those that do the will of my Father are the ones that are going to be with me in glory. And so how do we evaluate ourselves? Am I doing the will of God from my heart so we evaluate ourselves praise God I know you're getting excited right now aren't you you're getting thrilled right now because all the cracks are being filled in all of our foundations right and it's becoming stronger and stronger and stronger we're gonna make a decision praise God that we're gonna do it God's way we're gonna sing the song that says I did it God's way and that's the one they sing in heaven's choir I did it God's way down there they did it their way but thank God we could do it God's way and not their way and if we hear what he says and do what he tells us to do then we can be assured we're gonna be with him in glory and live out the full our full ages with him praise God so it's up to us to see till we have a strong spiritual foundation 
And how do we do that? We know the word of God. We act upon the word of God. We do what God says, even if it's illogical, even though it seems like it's far-fetched, like walking around Jericho's walls, it seems like it's far-fetched. But we follow the example of Peter. And what did Peter do? He let down the net. There might have been some reservations, but he let down the net. What did he do next? Praise God. He walked out on the water. And I know he stumbled along the way, but he got back into the boat when Jesus pulled him up. But he kept on acting on the word that God said, that Jesus spoke, until finally one day he went from casting down the net, walking on the water, to raising up the dead, praise God, because he had a foundation that was solid when he lived the rest of his life for God. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. I preached myself happy. I don't know what I did for you, but I preached myself happy this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of his love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.